There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. And to me, or with me today, is my new friend, Matt Cohn. Matt, Matt's calling in from Hawaii. And Matt has like a really interesting story and a really interesting life over the last few years. And he's actually done a TED Talk all about abundance. So today we're getting together and we're talking about abundance. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Mahalo. Thank you. <laughs> Mahalo. I would have said aloha, but it's mahalo, right? Mahalo's thank you. Aloha is hello. Okay. So thank you. I get it. Aloha and mahalo. Awesome. Cool. And so thanks for coming here today. We were introduced by a mutual friend, and we've had a couple great conversations. And it feels like, you know, you're on this spiritual journey that is light years ahead of where I am. And it's like looking into my future, maybe. So why don't you set everyone up with a little bit of what's going on and where you are now? Well, I'm in uh, Hawaii right now. I've uh, been here many, many times and was invited to come here and do some work with a woman uh, who's been teaching me about the elements and uh, earth, wind, fire, air, consciousness, and space. And to be truthful, these things have always seemed like a huge mystery to me. And I finally said, well, I'm going to try to go figure some of this out. And so I made the choice to come here to the islands. So that's where I am right now. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because those elements, earth, wind, fire, air, consciousness, and space. Yes. It's sort of in that realm of, like, ancient mystical teachings that I never really got. And you were like... The same felt sort of the same way, and then he said, "Well, I don't. I'm just going to go do it and find out what this is." Yeah, I think you get these in sophomore year in college, and so I finish. I feel like I finished freshman year with a lot of uh, practices, and now I'm just going to more to the core operating system. And it's it's a it's a sophomore year AP class. It's difficult. It is difficult, huh? <laughs> Good. It's, it it challenges the logical mind because it's definitely. Uh, outside of the norm of what we've been taught is reality um, since we were kids. Right. And so you've basically <clears throat> unplugged yourself from the matrix and you're just on this spiritual journey. Yeah. I mean, I have the ability to plug back in and out. So I'm trying to straddle the two worlds now. I unplugged for a long period of time and now I, I own a couple of businesses and I I do jump back in and do matrixy things, and then I, I leave and retreat and go explore the ether and come back and forth. So Yeah, and you're traveling all over the world doing this. Yes. Okay. When did you come to your idea of abundance? 
about five years ago, I was in a 10 day retreat. And the whole time I was in there, there was a voice in the head teaching me about the notion of abundance. Um, it was like I was in an intense course for 10 straight days. And uh, we explored it from every different angle. And out the end, it became a sort of a base level knowledge and understanding of what abundance is and how to stay in the flow of abundance. And this was something that you learned or was this something you actually downloaded? In, in hindsight, it's something I think I've practiced my whole life. It, it just inherently has worked for me. And the course was, I think, a way of explaining it, maybe a way of explaining it to others. Uh -huh. And so it, it came through as a, here's a nice way to package the notion of abundance and how to train people to begin tr flowing in the abundant flow. And when you say abundance, are you talking financial or everything? As you know, it's kind of easier to relate it to finances, especially in this dimension, in this world. Um, so people think about finances first, but it, it flows with anything. I mean, abundance is a state of mind opposite of scarcity. Abundance is a mindset where I recognize I have everything I need right now, and I lack fear that the future won't be the same as well. So I have confidence that this, this is sustainable. Yeah. You're in the boot camp now, but I, I don't want to give anything away. But Joshua's basic ex explanation of abundance, which is our natural birthright, and is perfectly aligned with who we are and how the universe works, how physical reality works, is that we've always been abundant. We've never faced any lack at any time ever. We've all, but it's based on, the, on what you're exploring. So if you're exploring lack, you get an abundance of experiences based in lack to make you feel lack. And if you're exploring loneliness, you get an abundance of experiences to allow you to explore loneliness. So if you found a partner while you're exploring loneliness, it wouldn't make any sense. The system doesn't work that way. And if you're thinking that $10,000 is gonna solve all your problems, you're exploring lack because the $10,000 can't take you out of that exploration and it will never solve any problems because the problems simply don't exist. That's sort of the Joshua mindset on abundance and it can go in all areas, financial, time, relationships, health, all that. What are we really exploring? And it actually goes a little farther because just to your point, we were talking about in this moment now, we have everything we need to do whatever we need to do. We've always had that in every single moment. And yet the fear is we're gonna be homeless, you know, if we lose our job or lose something, it's not going to continue and something bad may happen. And so we need to protect ourselves and make sure that things don't go wrong. It's like, so I was going on while well, you froze there, which is okay. <laughs> so I just like explaining that abundance was, is this exploration. Yes. Okay. So then you're now you and I have both been abundant when in our old lives financially. And I had this series of, I would try to prove my worthiness and I would get to this place of getting very successful and I wouldn't feel worthy, so then I would keep going and push the envelope and try to make things happen, and then the whole house of cards would come down, I'd go back to square one and start all over again. Uh, and then 
became very successful again, financially abundant. The crash of 2008 happened, went back to square one. And then at that time, I was able to rethink what abundance really is. So in this idea of the old Western system of what success is, success is really how many things you have. And I think that takes people away from what abundance really is because they have this desire that in order to be successful, they have to have lots of money. Is that your idea too? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a state of mind. And you've talked about it to me as well as the notion of being in love and fear. And, and fear brings up scarcity. Um, love brings up uh, confidence, joy, bliss in the present moment. And if one the more and more can stay in the present moment, they're, lacking, they, they're away from fear, there is a state of abundance. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But if you've been practicing or exploring lack, how do you switch, <laughs> flip the switch and start exploring <laughs> abundance? Got it. So the model that came to me in this course, if you picture, uh, I go to Nepal a lot and it's always fun to watch people siphon gas out of motorcycles. They're always, uh, you know, there are mobile gas stations, which is my motorcycle has more gas than yours. You need some gas. So let me take some gas out of mine and give it to you. And if you see, if you know how you take gas out of a motorcycle is you, you create a siphon. And so you start pulling the gas through, you put the hose over and then it starts to just flow. Correct. Right. Right. And so the practice that came to me was a model, a financial model that said to really start to experience the flow of abundance, there needs to be a siphon pull through the energy. And that came down to a, a ratio of 70-30. The idea that if $100 was given to me, $70 is intended for me and $30 was actually entitled, intended for me to distribute to others. And if you will, that's kind of the gravity, gravitational siphon pull, pulling resources through me for others. Right. So many, many people in our culture live on a, on a paycheck to paycheck basis. And, and the idea of getting to an abundant flow of all of the resources that I have are, are here in the moment on a paycheck to paycheck basis leaves a small room of error, a small margin of error for my needs to getting met. But if, if there's excess flowing through me, and, and lots of cultures talk about happiness comes from an overflowing cup. So if you're in a place where there's resources that are coming through me at such an abundant rate that I'm flowing into others, there's a larger margin of error there that my needs are going to be met, if you will. Yes. So this is really interesting because now it's not just about you right. and what you need to explore what you're doing. You're adding another exploration to that. Yes. So I'm exploring living in my house and paying my bills and doing what I like to do. And so I get exactly enough money to do that and no exactly. more. And so now if you add something to this, which we'll explain that later, but we're just adding another cup, let's say, yes. that will be filled up by this, then, then now you're drawing from a new exploration. And so in order to fill up your cup plus this new cup, more has to come in. Correct. Right. And, and your confidence that my, your cup is full is greatly enhanced because you see your cup is full, in fact, of filling other cups. So your, your ability to experience lack in your own cup is, is reduced. Okay, that's interesting because 
you know, if you're just focusing on all the stuff that you've got to take care of and maintain and that you don't want to lose, yeah. that cup is, it always gets full. You know, at the end of the month, you've always been able to pay for all that. You never got, you know, unless something strange happens, you basically are worrying about having enough for the month. It always comes in and then you start worrying for the next month. So now in order for it to overflow, it has to keep coming in more than you need. And, and that's Correct. a key point of this. That it's more than you need. Okay. Yes. Great. So continue on with this. By the way, I watched your TED Talk, which is, which, so I know what's coming. And it's, <laughs> I love this TED Talk. And I watch TED Talks all the time. So right. those of you out there, it's Matt Cohn. Just type in Matt Cohn on YouTube and you'll find it. Got it. So the idea in this teaching came... In actually ancient practices, uh, in many Catholic practices, they talk about tithing. Mm -hmm. So tithing is uh, 10%. So 10% of income, the first 10% comes in, goes typically to the church, and then after that you get to keep your, your take. Okay, that's um, an interesting point because I always thought it was you get to keep 90% of what comes in and you have to give 10% to the church. Totally, totally a lack-based way of looking at it. Yeah, I, I've heard it. I've heard it described both ways, but for I kind of more somehow resonate with the idea that the first ten percent goes to the church, and then then the other get to keep the excess. Right. But it, it's uh, half full or half empty. I don't know. <laughs> the, the 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 practice that came to me in this meditation course was actually seventy thirty, and seventy is intended for my my own needs. 30 is intended to distribute to three other buckets, if you will. And they are in the area of called people, causes, and magic. So each of those buckets is getting 10%. Um, and I can describe each of those if you like. Uh, yeah. Well, now what, what I like about this part is not there's just one more cup. Now there's three cups. And yeah. those three cups are separately interesting on their own. Exactly. And because and because you get to direct it, now it becomes yep. like a game and it's fun. Go ahead. Exactly. And each of those three are, are important. They, they're sort of like a checks and balances. They balance out the system and round it out more, more evenly. Um, so the, the three buckets are people, causes, and magic. Uh, I'll talk about causes first. Causes is something I personally am passionate about in the world. So it would be it uh, homelessness, uh, environment, uh, education. It's something that I'm personally willing to put my own time and energy in. It's something I think about in the morning when I take a shower. You know, it's the thing that I'm just stoked about. And the, this model, the abundance model, talks about providing 10% of the resources coming in to that cause. So it's the one thing you stand on, but it's a place where you spend time and energy as well. Yeah. So it could be church would be a perfect it, thing. And it, it could it, be, you know, um, Habitat for Humanity, something like that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's something that benefits humanity or the planet, if you will. Okay. The second budget is, is people. And the idea here is to stay aware of people that show up in your experience that are in and of themselves trying to progress themselves, learn, grow, move forward. And the idea is to give them, I've been using the word karma ships, karma ships, rather than a scholarship. So. Yeah. So a karma ship is, let's say somebody wanted to take the, uh, the Joshua Abundance uh, uh, boot camp and was short a bit on their ability to, to, to take it. Um, if they can put up 51%, you're, 
you can provide them a karma ship out of the people's budget of another 49% to help them move forward. Um, the goal here is not to provide this money to somebody who's truly in need. Let's say they've, their, their home is, uh, they can't pay their rent or bills and so forth because you're kind of aiding them in their ability to stay in lack, right. stay in the, in the downside. So it's helping someone move forward, not fill the hole that they may have themselves in. Yeah. And that's a really tricky uh, thing because the, you hear the story of people winning lotteries and yeah. everyone comes with their hand out and people think, well, I need to help these people. I'm so fortunate winning this lottery. I got to you know, share this and it right. never helps those people. No, yeah. no. So people are karma ships. That's a, another sort of 10% goes in that direction. And the last one is, is the, the magical one called magic. <laughs> and, and, and magic is defined as completely random, anonymous acts of creative giving. Mm. And so an example is you're walking down the street and the voice in the head says, hey, go into this restaurant, pick out a couple in the back, go to the, the front uh, checkout cashier and say, hey, those are my friends over there. I'd like to pay for their meal. Don't let them know that it was me pull out your credit card, pay for it, and leave without seeing their reaction. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. And conventional wisdom would say that's pretty ridiculous. You, you might as well have just flushed the money down the toilet because, you know, you didn't even get to see their reaction and they won't even know who you are. But in my experience, it's the most positive reinforcement of abundance that you're willing to do something that random where you get no feedback on the gift that you just provided so it really reinforces your own sense of abundance. And yeah. the second thing is I, I believe that there's in the law of karma that what I put into the field will come back to me with interest. Right. So if I go in and pay for someone's $200 meal because you didn't realize it, but all of a sudden you know, they had a bunch of wine or something and you paid for their $200 meal, it's my own personal belief that in the coming days, weeks, months, $210 of good karma is going to be coming to me in, in, in some form. I also like the fact that you're not looking for people who need anything. This yeah. is a real trap as we think if you think someone needs it, then you are looking at them from a lack-based place. And yes. two, you're not attached to the outcome. No. They could get upset with this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it could be embarrassing, whatever, you know, maybe if it's exactly. a first date, right? And the guy yeah. is trying to be yeah. So <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. But the third thing is too is that now you get to use your imagination to imagine the delight and surprise yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, and that's an empowering use of your imagination. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, and actually, when I played with this, Gary, I actually try now to go find people that probably don't need the gift mm. because, because I, I kind of have this visual of, of ripple effects. And so if I go into the field and I stimulate someone in this way, their ability to take like action and move forward is right. much higher and, and to put that into the field than if I went and paid somebody that couldn't necessarily do it. So the $200 gift to them, the guy may go into the office and give everybody $2 million in bonuses, you know, right. I mean, because he's just like, he's been stimulated into the idea of a giving mindset and an abundant mindset rather than lack, right? So the ability to kind of reinforce abundance within other people that have major resources coming to them, the impact of that could be tremendous. 
And we also realized that this is an attractive universe. So you didn't accidentally pick anyone. You were inspired, no. <laughs> right? So you're all acting on inspiration and that's the perfect person at the perfect time to do it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's it, a really good point. Um, Jerry Seinfeld does these, these um, I forgot what he calls them, but he'll leave, he'll get a cup of coffee and leave a thousand dollar tip. Yeah. And it's like this, thing that's going to make someone's day, week, or month, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? But then he does it so often, people are going to, are going to come to expect it, you know? Yeah. I, think I, I think I sent you a copy uh, in the email. I, I have a, a practice that I do every day where I've, I've created these fake parking tickets. Yeah. Uh, they're from, from the Department of the Status Quo. And yeah. I, I include with them a... Uh, a one dollar bill and put it on people's car door, car windows. So you and include you include a one dollar bill with it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's a it's it's a it's a reverse fine for being excessively awesome. <laughs> and and so it the the ticket says uh, the blow officers have your observed you being in an excessive state of awesomeness and. This is very disruptive to the status quo. <laughs> Imagine what would happen if all people were as awesome as you. That'd be very disruptive. So included is your fine, and please consider how to use this to curb your habit of being excessively awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I put it on parked cars, and I, I've done several thousand of these because it's just kind of a daily practice. And I, my, my, my role is to not watch people pick these up because then, in fact, I would get the feedback loop. Yeah, but it, there have been times when I've accidentally watched somebody open these things, and it's freaking hilarious because <laughs> the person comes out all pissed, thinking they got a parking ticket, and then you know, so they're in that mindset of holy, oh, something went wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, right? And then they open this thing up, and then they read it, and you see some people falling on the sidewalk laughing, like you know, like you know, so yeah, it's a fun practice. That emotion too is when you are in fear. And then the fear is resolved. Yeah. You have that feeling of relief, and that's really the best feeling. Is that exactly. feeling of relief? Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> you're instantly in alignment. Uh, yeah. Short story: I, I was doing that in a small town of uh, Hood River, Oregon, and there was this woman who's owns a uh, cafe who's notoriously kind of cranky, and I kept putting it on her car window several mornings. And one day, she called the police officers who came and they were doing a search of all the local cafes trying to find out who was doing this. So <laughs> yeah, I got away with you're, it. You're littering money all over the place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who, who in their right mind would do this? It must be a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but think about what does that practice do to my own sense of abundance? You know, it, it, it's joyful to flow that power of the siphon that's being pulled out of my resources to go to these other places. That's a higher joyful place than if I'm stockpiling resources into, you know, some bank account. Yeah. It's also the anonymity part of this yeah. is important because yeah. that feedback loop we get into, it's always, what can I do that's going to change the conditions and make me yep. feel good? Yep. And that never works. And this is no. why this is why social media doesn't work because you're looking for the likes and you're looking for yep. the feedback. And if you don't get the feedback, you're not going to allow yourself to feel good. Exactly. It's just putting it out there and not caring what comes right. back. Can I, can I just uh, give a few words about how I've been coaching people to practice this model? 
Um, the easiest way to do this, especially with online banking, is to go into your bank and set up four specific bank accounts. So you have your primary checking account. You set up three other savings accounts, call, and you can call them in my system, online uh, people causes and magic. Mm-hmm. And so when a, when a $1,000 check gets deposited into my bank account, I immediately transfer 10% of that to these other three buckets. And they start to accrue resources over time. And so I start to see those as not necessarily my money, but my I'm a steward, if you will, of those resources. Escrow. And escrow. And and one can grow like in a month, I may notice, oh, I haven't done a bunch of on causes and that that budget started to get a little bit higher. Then I can, you know, start to focus my attention on maybe where I should apply myself in the causes area. Um, and so the actual act of overflowing the cup, though, occurs when I transfer the 10%. So mm-hmm. that was the, the abundant act of giving happened when I transferred that money. And it starts to train myself that those aren't my resources. Yeah. And I start to see myself as a steward again. Yeah. Okay, but now this is going to take a little bit of vibrational adjustment to get used to this because now you're, sure. you're suddenly have 70% less or 30% less <laughs> than normal, right? Yeah, it's a it's a commitment. Um, the the truth is, it in my experience, it takes about six months for people to uh, shift. And and the crazy thing that happens in within a six month period, the seventy percent that's coming into my checking account is actually greater than the hundred percent if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. So so the as you know the the attraction of doing this the source starts to provide the resources to do this, and then it just starts to happen. Um, much like a you know a couple that's both working, having jobs, and then a child comes into their relationship, and one of them decides to stay home. Usually, what happens is resources start to come in to support all three. Yeah. Right. And so this model is simply adopting three children. Mm. People causes a magic, and initially it's a bit of an adjustment because you you may have to adjust your lifestyle a little bit to start practicing this. But once you start flowing with it, it actually it starts to to reinforce it by more and more resources coming in to both fill your own cup as well as these other three. That's a really good point because imagine a young couple, they have a child. There's no question in their mind that they're going, I mean, there might be a little doubt, but they know that they're going to be able to afford the, the child and all this. And then whatever that child needs, whether it's, you know, private school or or just basics, they're going to have enough money to do that. But you talk to people who are in a job and they're like, well, where's this extra money going to come from? <laughs> this is the problem of that lack mindset anyway. Yeah. Yeah. How's a four letter word, right? How's this going to happen? It's a four letter word. <laughs> it's, it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So how does it happen? What's your, belief on on why this works? Yeah, I can answer that in many ways. The, the belief system I'm enjoying right now is simply just magic. Like, it's just, it's magical. It's joyful. It's, it's, it's fun. It's love. You know, all those words can be put behind it. And when I surrender to the notion that it is going to work, it works. Yeah. So I, I, I come out today, I put the key in the car, I turn the car on and start driving it. I honestly don't know how the car works. Right. Like I'm not a mechanic guy. I don't know what in the engine is making this thing work, but it works most of the time. And this model just works. Like when I practice it, I, I 
I'm supporting, you know, abundantly. And the, the, the magic in this, Gary, is the 70-30 is an initial split. And what starts to happen is it starts to get to be 60-40-50-50. Mm-hmm. Because as you become a really good practitioner of this model, more and more resources start to come in. And those other buckets become so joyful in working on that more windfalls start to come in to support those other children more, uh, more abundantly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, because it's just as like a child, you know, the child is your pride and joy and you want to do everything you can for the child and you'll, sure. you know, and that's where the fun is taking the child to Disneyland, you know, sure. doing stuff for the child and focusing on how much fun it is to be with the child. So, you know, I, it's, it is amazing that we live in this such prosperity and abundance in Western civilization as you compare it to the rest of the world or even in history. And 100 years ago, probably all of our ancestors were farmers, you know, and right. they were just really getting enough food to survive. Mm-hmm. And here we are in absolute opulence compared to that and freedom as well. But yeah, we're still focusing on we don't have enough. And that's generally from comparison to culture in general or to those those outliers that seem to be doing so much better than we are, you know, that are always in the news and always focused on that sort of thing. And so so we we tend to adopt this limiting belief that in order for us to live these magnificent lives, we have to have more than enough money to do it. And it's just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I talk, uh, really a defining moment for me, Gary, is I, I've spent an awful lot of time in Nepal. And prior to traveling to Nepal, I, I worked with many, many wealthy families in the city of Seattle. And these families had, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And they lived in scarcity and fear that those resources were going to be lost. Mm-hmm. I, I then traveled to Nepal and I would go into villages where, from a Westerner's perspective, they physically had nothing. But they're lived in an abundant mindset because the planet has always provided for them. They've mm-hmm. always had local resources. Their community supports them if they need to go to the hospital and so forth. So they don't fear the future. And, and in fact, these communities were much wealthier than the people that I knew in Seattle. Right. And so talk about that. What do you mean wealthier? Just when I say a wealth from a perspective of overall happiness, yeah. uh, all of the things that we think of as wealth, love, compassion, community, as well as food and water and air. Yeah, right? every, everything you need to do whatever you need to do right. and, and have an abundance of good feeling, feeling good. Right. And, and so my perspective is, yes, in the West, we live in an abundant world as far as the material, like things. But we're actually living in a largely a scarcity world right now of a sense of community and and large cases of of depression and loneliness mm-hmm. and and so our lack and our scarcity is in sort of the non-material energetic spaces where we really suffer and you know so you can take the abundance model and say well i'm gonna seventy uh, percent self love and i'm going to go out and and love in you know in my community and i'm going to love with my family i'm going to love in some really random honest ways you know and you can apply that model where it's siphoned and it'll pull love through you in these other places yeah in that people cup, who are the people um, stay aware 
like they will show up. Like uh, I was in a cafe just the other day and, you know, I couldn't help but eavesdrop and, and heard a woman at the table next to me who was discussing that she really wanted to go do a specific camp. And, and she was having some troubles and I, and I just said, you know, I really apologize, but I've been eavesdropping and I, I would like to provide you some additional resources to help you make that step. And it kind of blew her away, <laughs> but, 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 you know, it, it, it's so crazy, Gary, cause I didn't feel any attachment to the resources that, that I have in my people budget. It's like, be aware. Oh, and here's a random, this isn't a friend of mine. I'm not getting any attachment. I will never see this person again. Yeah. But it, but it was being aware of, of well, whether is there a specific uh, appropriate place for this investment? I don't even right. want to say it need. I don't even say it is need. Where, I like the investment. Yeah. Yeah. It's an investment. And, you know, in doing a lot of discussion and, and study of karma, like that will come back to me um, right. in a way, in a way, especially yeah. even more powerful that I wasn't getting paid in the moment by giving it to a friend and, and having that satisfaction of helping a friend who will, you know, feels different doing that with a person that I've just met um, and probably will never see again, that will come back in, in bigger interest to me. So I, I really, this is really interesting here because for me, my first idea was to give it to friends, family, friends, kids, you know, <laughs> things like that. And yet if you do that, you are, you are, inextricably linked to this appreciation coming back. Yep. And that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be. I think it, I think it can, I think it can work. It's just not as potent Mm -hmm. and it's important within the people one to have a diversified portfolio of karma investments, not, not solely the ones that are the people closest to you. Yeah. So on occasion you can do something for someone else for that, you know, I have this thing where I've come to this small town in North Carolina. I've renovated this gigantic house. I've spent a ton of money on the house and I've done whatever I could to really hire local guys who weren't really in a company. They were, you know, maybe starting out in their own painting company or handymen or, or whatever local people. And I made this deal that I wasn't going to, negotiate with anything, whatever they said they wanted, I gave it to them hundred percent. Right. And right. that I was not going to go over their hours with a fine tooth comb. And I wasn't going to take any preset budget. Like they went say, well, to paint the house, this is this much. I said, no, everything's going to be by the hour, whatever you want for the hour. And I'm not right. going to keep track of your hours. You just tell cool. me what you want at the end of the week. And right. in doing that, they realized that I wasn't trying to get anything on them, you know? Yep. I wasn't trying to, you know, trying to bargain with them or diminish them. I said, whatever you want, you just ask for that. And if you Mm -hmm. want something different, you ask for that. And if you can't ask for more, but you charge a couple more hours, fine. I'm never going to question it, you know? Right. And it got, it got, some people couldn't handle it, you know? And some (laughs) people loved it, right? And I'm friends with the people now, but I had one guy who was, who was just, um, at the end, he was so conflicted with not living up to the amount he was asking for that sure. he, he ended up sabotaging the whole thing and he, he didn't last very long. But <laughs> it's right. interesting, you know? And yeah. it's this, it's this like I started a long time ago, I'm not negotiating with anyone mm-hmm. because that diminishes what they're asking for. 
But it's, yep. it's the basic principle of business and how can you not negotiate? No, yep. you tell me what it is and I will say yes or no to that. Yes. But if I say, okay, let's do it for $1,000 less, even if you had built in the $1,000, you're going to be like, where can I cut corners on this thing? Exactly. Yep. Okay. Can, I, can I speak one to one thing that's really key in this teachings to me is the notion of credit. And yeah, so I want to go in there because this is where we differ. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, to me, credit is a, a leak at the bottom of the of the bucket. It, it, it's you put money in, and it's being siphoned out the bottom, and it's difficult to flow it out the top. And the notion of being in debt is difficult to be in a place of of abundance and overflowing. Um, the the place that I see this a little different is in two areas. One, if someone borrow, borrows money to buy a house. That's really a co-investment with the bank, and we're both mutually agreeing to make an investment, and we'll we'll you know we'll re- get a rate of return on that down the road. Right. Ad- additionally, with say buying a car, a car, uh, le- you know, taking a car loan out is really just like leasing a car. Right. And as long as that car is in alignment with your overall lifestyle, and mm-hmm. you're not living beyond that, and it's not it's appropriate. Right. Okay. Um. The, the challenge that I get is, so the banks aren't necessarily always looking for my best interests and are kind of working counterproductive to me. And the banks are notorious for when children are young to provide them offers to go into debt. And what happens is one starts to get a lifestyle where they can assume they can borrow things to do the things they want. And in the future, resources will come in to, to repay that. Right. Versus in the moment, do I have the resources to be doing this thing? Yes, they here. Then, then this is an appropriate action for me to move forward with. So it's kind of like, uh, say, an alcoholic. It's letting someone think that it's okay to have five beers a week, but not seven. When in fact, you know, it, it's dabbling in an area that's very difficult to, for most humans to be able to control that addictive behavior of spending beyond what's being provided them in reality. And then they have this leaky bucket. So right. there's my pitch. Okay. So my, I totally agree with the mortgage and the car and that, however, no matter where you are in the process, you will have manifestation events around it. You will have this idea of being good and having good credit and therefore you have to mm. pay it back. Bullshit. You don't have to pay it back. You can borrow mm. as much as you want. Don't pay it back. Mm. Uh, this is, that is you, you will have a manifestation event whether you pay it back or not. And being attached to being good about being credit worthy because you fear that without the credit, you won't have the things you want to have. This is the antithesis of the law of attractions, this whole control thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say for, my, for me, here's what happened in my life. <clears throat> um, paid all for college, had no debt at all. Mm-hmm. bought a, a newish car. So it was a used car, but it was really nice. Got into a car accident, and then that ruined my credit for basically most of my youth, most of my mm-hmm. 20s. Uh, so I had to start my own business with a loan from a person instead of a bank. And you know I had to do things out of the box to finance business growth and finance houses and, um, you know, 
there were no mortgages for the type of houses I was buying because they were not in good condition. So I would get hard money loans, which were, you know, back in those days, 18%. Now they're 12%. Mm -hmm. And the money always came for those that I cared about. And then I got into, um, the last thing was that we had owned this restaurant franchise with our, our friends and the business was going very, very, very well. And our friends got in fear and they wanted to hire a CEO. My wife had been in this business for 20 years. She knew it better than anyone. And so they wanted to get, get her out of there and hire some guy off the street, which we knew would never work. And so we ended up buying them out. And in order to buy them out, we had to get $100,000 line of credit on the business. I got $100,000 line of credit on my business. Lily's mother got a $100,000 equity loan. I got another $100,000 mortgage on one of my properties. And we were making the payments on all those all along until the line of credit says, okay, you got to pay the $100,000 back. You could only have it for five years or whatever. And by that time, this is now the crash had happened. The business isn't doing what it was. And so we said, no, we're not paying it back. We're not paying anything. Come to us, whatever you want to do. And, but we paid all the mortgage back on, on Lily's mother's mortgage and paid that whole thing off. And we paid the other mortgage I had on this property. So if you think, and, and also when I was younger too, when I lost it the first time, I had to go into foreclosure on my personal house in my early 20s or early 30s, late 20s, where I was a prominent realtor in the foreclosure area. <laughs> and so every single person I knew, knew this was my house and knew I went to foreclosure. Super embarrassing. <laughs> but that got me into a point, place where I don't care anymore. You know, sure, sure. I'm yeah. going to use this to do what I need to do. If I can pay it back, great. If I can't, great. And so I was able to amass a fortune leveraging it this way. Sure. And then you could say, okay, then 2008 comes, I am leveraged at the hilt. I'm paying $25,000 a month in all these different mortgages from all these different properties, and then it stops, you know, mm -hmm. money coming in stops. And so quickly, like two months, you're, un, you know, you're, you're like, this can't keep bleeding out, so you have to stop paying. Mm -hmm. And that is event led to the loss of everything one by one by one that led me to, um, you know, detaching from all these businesses, going sure. into living in this little house, and redefining my future by allowing the secret to come, allowing Abraham Hicks to come, then allowing Joshua to come. And that 12 year process to today has radically changed every single area of my life. So my, my grander idea is that none of this is bad. Thank God the credit is there to do what you need to do. And if you can pay it off, pay it off. If you can't pay it off, don't pay it off. That has nothing to do with it. So yeah. you may look at the at the banks and say they're trying to screw us, but I look at it and saying, look at this awesome resource for abundance when it's appropriate, you know. And thank God they're there. I'm with you. I'm with you. There's this notion of EWAP, right? Everything's working out perfectly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a hospital in Seattle. Uh, where they treat alcoholics and the way they treat alcoholics is you come in and they get you really, 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 really drunk on certain things. And then you don't want to drink anymore. Yeah. Right. And, 
I guess, I guess where I'm listening to you, and I really appreciate that perspective. I think from my own perspective, I don't really want to take on the karma of giving an alcoholic a lot more uh, alcohol. It's just like, it isn't, it isn't an appropriate, it isn't part of my, my makeup. That what you're doing though is saying that everyone's an alcoholic. So everyone has a drink as an alcoholic. And there are people who like a glass of wine that are not alcoholics, right? Exactly. Let's just say that 5% of drinkers are alcoholics. And so you want to throw away the alcohol industry so that no one can have it. No, no, none at all. And I really appreciate it. It's got some things for me to meditate on today. It's my experience in practicing with people on abundance is to have, in order to start getting out of scarcity, is to get out of the idea of using resources you don't have. To set the buy high enough so that you're flowing in uh, and not necessarily uh, have a leaky bucket where you're paying out in credit. Now, I, I love that idea. And I want to take it one step further in saying that if you're taking credit in any kind to change a condition that you think is wrong or to elevate your sense of worthiness or status because you're feeling unworthy and feeling like yeah. a failure, then that, that urge to control a condition will always result in more effort and struggle down the road. So yeah. if you're buying a house to make yourself look good, if you're buying a car to make yourself look good, if you're buying jewelry to give to your girlfriend to make yourself look good, then, then you're saying, I'm not worthy without these things, therefore I have to do this. And that's fine too, because you'll understand the ramifications of those actions. But an example was that last summer, we were given this opportunity to go to Paris and Amsterdam and to see Abraham. And you know, this right in the middle of the year, a lot of different things happening, how to take care of Tucker. And I'm like, well, how am I going to pay for it? It was like last minute. So the plane flights, which are normally like a thousand bucks, were now like $2,500 each. And so I'm like, okay, so how's this going to happen? And I said, the money's going to come somehow. I don't know how it's going to happen, but this thing that just came to me is obviously for my benefit. There's something coming up in this trip and I'm going to do whatever I can to do it, and, but I don't know how it's going to come. And so I go on to, to American Airlines to check the flights and it's $2,500 and then pops up a American Airlines credit card. So I click on that, fill it out, and got the money for the airline tickets and more, and, and then came back, and here I am at this point where that's all paid off by now. Well, let, me ask, let me ask you this. What if you put a line in your code of reasoning that said, I will assume that I can do this if resources show up that don't include me going into debt? Okay, that would be a limitation self-imposed and the universe is giving you this thing to do now and for your highest good. And you're inspired to do it, not to change conditions, but because this is on your path of self-discovery and this radical, this trip radically changed my life, by the way. So, so here's Joshua saying is never wait to do it to, to, um, well, not never. Okay. I shouldn't say that. Obviously you have to work out the wobble of fear, but when you're inspired to do something, you can do whatever you're inspired to do. And whatever resources are available to you, if you say this resource is good, and therefore that means there's a sign from the universe that I can do it because I, from my judgment, say this resource is good, 
But no, I can't ask a relative. I can't get a, a gift from a relative. I can't get a credit card. I can't do all these other things. And the universe says, you are being inspired to do this thing for your highest good, to go on this new journey of exploration. And everything you need will be provided to you along the way. And one of the things you're going to need is to get over your limitations and get over your judgment of this is right and this is wrong. We could we could probably go on this one for a long time. I'm I'm with you 90%, and I like the friction area where we're we're not quite in alignment. I mean, I think like my attachment to think that I know what is best. Maybe the best thing for me was to not go to that event, right? And and I'm just thinking there's something in it to me about if the resources truly are there, like they show up. Like a new client shows up right after I said no to the American Airlines thing, and a new sh- new client shows up and pays in advance for something, then that to me is a sign that I should go. Yeah, but then um, you're taking signs. And when I was a realtor, I was working with all these first-time home buyers, and they're like, okay, uh, the price is uh, is $250,000. We're going to offer one fifty. dollars And if the universe wants us to have it at one fifty, dollars then that guy's going to cut his price by $100,000 and give us to one fifty. dollars And I'll say, okay, let's see how often that works. Never. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's – they're different way – there are different constraints on seeing, and it's really ultimate to feel, right? It, it, the sign is more, how does it feel? It, okay, so in the body, yeah. somatically, does this feel right or not? And right, so let's look at that. So you get this idea, and mm-hmm. it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And then when any inspiration comes to you, you know it's inspiration because it's exciting, it's interesting, and it's aligned with who you truly are. You get this idea, you feel excitement, this is your indication of alignment. Then, no matter what happens, I don't care what the inspiration is, fear will always pop up. And the fear will say, you can't do it because of this, this, and this, and the timing's not right. The 99% of the fear is the timing's not right. And Joshua will say the timing is divine, it's always right. And if you feel the excitement, you can do the thing, you know, And so everyone is succumbing to fear and they're not living big, bold lives. They're living these small lives. They're afraid to ask people out on dates. They're afraid to go to the gym. They're afraid to join in this class. They're afraid to do these things they're inspired to do. I'm with you and everything except for the place of debt. How about, how about this? Passionate detachment says I I'm inspired. I have the passion. This thing sounds amazing. I'm going to take steps forward towards it, but I'm going to stay detached that in fact, maybe it's not meant to be. And it, because there's something right behind it that's actually grander than my, my, my lure towards moving towards that thing is going, my, my greater passion and desire is going to be shown to me if I can release the attachment to my, my initial vision. Okay. So, perpet- well, this, this just falls in the, in the category of I'm just going to succumb to fear and use this as an excuse to succumb to fear. What's the fear? Like, the fear is that I don't have enough money to do this thing. Um, if there's no fear in it, like I'm want to do this. And if the money shows in a form that I see that is to support this. Okay. But so you're, you're saying that the only here's here, let's go take this to another level. Sure. I'm going to say that all forms of income are equally bad to this credit. If my mother helps me out, that's not acceptable. If, uh, I, can get a loan on my mortgage, get an equity line, that's not acceptable. 
If I can uh, get a credit card, that's not acceptable. If a friend wants to help me out, that's not acceptable. If I take a savings and put savings away and then hold that up, well, that's got to be for retirement. So that's not acceptable. And so I'm eliminating all these possible sources of abundance that the universe is flowing to me because now I've decided, and these sources you may not agree with, right? Just like I don't agree with your source. It's like the, <laughs> the, um, the definition of an atheist is I only don't believe in one more God than you don't believe in. There's 300 <laughs> gods. You don't believe in 299 of them. We're in very close agreement on that. But, you know, so, so you, you believe that the only bad source, well, there's people out there who believe there's lots of bad sources. And, you know, and I'm saying the universe is going to provide you with whatever you need. But if you judge one way of doing it as good and one way as bad, well, that comes from duality based in a limiting belief. Let's work through that limiting belief. Or, or with training, I can get to a place where I don't need credit. And, Let's talk and, about the abundance situation. And I agree that, you know, financially, obviously, we don't want, you know, so, well, it's, it is a limited mindset to say, when I pay my credit card bills, I say, I'm so appreciative that I have this reservoir of abundance that I can tap into when I need it. And it gives me this feeling of, if I need it, it's there. Um, now let's say you're making $3,000 a month and now you're going to take $900 of that and put it into these cups and you've got mortgage, you got credit cards, you've got all this. What do you do with that debt? So if a person is in debt right now, um, what I've been coaching people to do is first thing is to transfer that debt to a credit union, a nonprofit entity, who in a sense is like a cause. So let's say, mm, uh, I like it. right? So go to a nonprofit entity whose purpose is to support its members, not to uh, overly pay shareholders and top management, okay. right? So consolidate your debt in a nonprofit who you then declare as your cause. And then what I coach people to do is take 24% and go to that cause and put 3% towards uh, people in magic. So it's kind of playing with the octane mixture and over invest in the cause, which is this, it's no longer a debt. It's a philanthropic commitment. Mm. I'm committed to working with this credit union to help them help members. Right. Plus the sooner you pay off your debt, the more will be available to the other two cups. Exactly. Yeah. So you can reshift the, the balance after you've paid off, may, after you've fulfilled your philanthropic commitment yeah. to this credit union who's doing good work in the world, you can then rebalance your abundance to support people in, in magic as well. Right? Brilliant. So, so it's a way of getting out of, I'm not in debt. You can declare, I, I worked with a woman and she started crying as soon as we did this because she said, Matt, I'm not in debt. I'm not in lack. I don't have to, I don't owe anybody anything. I've made a commitment to support going forward this philanthropic entity, which is a nonprofit credit union. Yeah. And it, it completely blew her mind. Like she no longer felt, she felt guilt over the debt. She felt that she had bought things in the past that she didn't have the money for. And now she felt abundance because she was flowing resources to a nonprofit credit union. Okay. Right. So let's say that I can't think of, 
can anyone just go to a credit union and get, like, if I had $15,000 worth of credit card debt to pay off, I could go to a, could I somehow reimagine that without doing the credit card, credit union thing? You could. I mean, I, I have people that have transferred their debt to the REI credit card. And REI is a cooperative doing good work on, on trails and so forth. And they, they tell people, yeah, I have one of my, my causes right now is supporting REI's work in the world. And they, every time they make a quote unquote credit card payment, they see it as a gift in the area of their causes of, of the abundance model. So they're, right. they're not flowing from lack trying to pay for mm-hmm. a past act that they took. They're not repaying something. They're not repaying a debt. They're proactively ahead of the curve and abundance flowing to a cause that they're passionate about, which is the REI. That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Um, then are we talking, this is, you know, how far does this go? Once the credit card debt's paid, mm-hmm. then now you re-level the octane levels yep. or do you keep paying the mortgage debt? What do you think about that? The mortgage debt's okay? So more- Mortgage debt's not mortgage. It's not a debt. It's a a partner that I have that's investing in making an investment in something. It's part of my living expenses, right? And same with my car payment. So those are two things. But but I'm going to go buy a television, put that on my credit card because I don't have the resources to pay for that now. But uh, an entity says, hey, I will give you the money. You can have this television. To me, that's not abundance. Like I'm not I don't have the resources to do this. Then let me wait till the resources show up in the form of additional income to pay for this thing, not to go into the hole to pay for something I don't have the resources for. And I would say that if you don't have the resources for it and you have this desire for this TV, Mm. this is an urge to change the condition. It's not an inspiration, you know, sure. But the inspiration would be around things that are for your personal development, social, you know, in my experience, you know, in, like that. in my experience, Gary, those things will get paid for if there's a little bit of patience and to resist the desire of going into debt to pay for them. Yeah. Okay. Like, I like, it. like framing the situation for, I will do this when the resources show up and I'm not going to, as one friend says, I'm not going to borrow from the devil to progress in the light. And, and <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I would say that, <laughs> that I would say that, I'm going to see this as an investment in me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and rather than an expense, mm-hmm. you know. And so sure. if it's an investment in who I truly am in my spiritual development or in whatever I'm passionate about, then I can do it, you know. But again, you know, I was passionate about poker. I would never put a poker tournament on a credit card ever. that's ridiculous no one would do that yeah Yeah. sure yep okay in in my experience of coaching people when it's truly magic happens and they don't need to go into debt for it if they set the bar just a little higher have a little bit more patience and 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 allow it to unfold it gets reinforced by excess abundance rather than going into debt okay so let's talk about the first six months of starting this idea Sure. And that's going to be really getting the wobble out, getting the fear out, mm-hmm. and getting yep. vibrationally tuned to this mm-hmm. new mode or this new approach to life. Yep. Right? Okay. So, what, go ahead. 
what I, what I recommend is if you don't have a lot of excitement and you do have a lot of fear around this, set up the three different bank accounts, people causes a magic transfer into those budgets, but don't necessarily make uh, disbursements out of them. So allow mm-hmm. them to accrue. Mm-hmm. And, and if you really freak out, you always have a little bit of the confidence that you could pull the money back. I like it. Right. So it's a way of practicing it without uh, fully committing to it. So you can kind of dip the toes in the water. Okay. Yet you might get to this point where if you have to take it back out, you might beat yourself up for that. Yeah. And you could view it as a loan against those because you haven't quite uh, worked the kinks out yet for it to flow. Good. The, I also do say if you really want to practice it, you could do 85 5 5 5. Um, 70, 30, 70, 10, 10 is, uh, committing and it really is more potent. Yeah. But if you want to go more slow, you can do 85% for you five and five and five, and then grow into the 10, 10, 10. I have a automatic, I have a savings account, two savings accounts, and they're automatically put in a hundred dollars or $200, whatever it is per month is just automatic. And so you probably, if you are saying you make $3,000 a month, then you take whatever and you could probably have that automatically taken per month and then yeah don't do anything with it until you're confident and then do your first thing so so the way i see it, this is abundance plus it, again if you think of the siphoning so if we're putting money into our bank account we're still going living paycheck to paycheck and maybe we're saving up for retirement or something in the future right this this model, by putting in the siphon that's pulling more resources through us, ensures that we're flowing the you know we're, those are going to places that were that are not us. Yeah, and and many people start to think about abundance as simply I'm going to start stockpiling resources for a rainy day. Right. And and to me that's the blockage of flow of energy. When we do that in the body, we create cancer. Yeah. When we stop the flow of energy, then eventually we get sick and we die. Yeah. The idea of stockpiling excess resources beyond what I'm going to need creates greed, it creates uh, fear, it creates lack, and then eventually I get sick or those resources start to flow because my car gets stolen or my house. Like Things happen to flow those resources if I'm not flowing them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The yep. basis of scarcity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, we have this situation. Now, do you, do you suggest that we modify our lifestyle initially if we're excited about this event and this process then it's not like i'm going to be stoked to do this then it's not a i don't feel lack of in these other areas of my life this is being my new passion right and so i'm excited about losing weight i'm excited about the feeling of feeling better i start to focus on that and then i start eating less right, right. like yeah. and so it, it it is difficult. I mean, this is a radical way of thinking. This says that thirty percent of money that I get is not mine; it's to be flowed other places. And if I can't make my own ends meet, how's this going to work? Right. right. Yeah. But if you get, but if you believe in it, and you start to go into it. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. It starts to really flow. It works. Right. I would love to have a Facebook group or something with all the people who are doing this, and then <laughs> just having all these little examples of what people are doing. You know sharing how that's coming in and what their experience is. I don't know if this is a lead in, but there's a website called the abundance model.org. 
that describes this process, theabundancemodel.org. The, okay. And at the and the bottom of it, there's an invitation to join the Facebook group ah. um, that, that supports the model. So, cool. Is this yeah. your is this your website? I I um I try very hard not to take credit for any of this, and so you won't find my name on it. Uh -huh. um, and it it feels to me that it's a collective process, and it's not something that I want to have my ego attached to. It's something right. that I'm a pra I'm a practitioner of, yeah. And and maybe a little bit more advanced practitioner than other people in the group, but I'm not claiming it as Matt Cohn's model. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I I take uh, no responsibility if so it doesn't work for someone. <laughs> What it fascinates me about you about me? No, what fascinates me about you is that same, same. yeah, <laughs> is that we're both in this new way of of learning how to get outside of the old conditioning. We're neat, you know. We don't need recognition. We don't need all this trappings that we had before. We get much simpler. Um, you know, Joshua is almost all free. And once you're in the boot camp, all that's free too, that you can mm -hmm. use and it's all open source. So people mm -hmm. can take whatever's in the boot camp and they can create their course if they want to, or however they want to do it. Uh, I've had people teach courses. They take a, one of the Joshua books and they teach courses and based on the books and they have people all over the world in their courses based on these books. I'm like, great, that's perfect. Do whatever you want to do with it. It's, we're, you know, we're getting in this situation. I had a great person on, Cindy Edison, who's another channel yesterday, and we're talking about, you know, it's so rare that there's platforms where we can just get together and share without it being a promotion of something, you know, mm -hmm. and, or, or having that scarcity that we need to be promoting something in order to get it going on, or we need to get bigger or something. And it's rather about just, disseminating all the information, letting it fall where it falls and inspiring other people to do whatever they do. Very cool. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so glad you were here and we worked out some initial bugs, mostly on my side. My, my speaker works, my microphone works perfectly now or the uh, headphones. So I would say normally at this juncture, how do people find you? But I don't know if they're going to. <laughs> uh, go to the Facebook group uh, for this and ask to connect with me. And through that, I'd be happy to do a one-on-one -on -one connection with them. So, awesome. Yeah. Good. Okay, cool. And I'll do the same thing. I'm going to join that today. Okay, um, cool. Good. It, it's, um, it's, it's growing. This is a pretty radical step. And I can't say that in the four or five years that I've been practicing it, that I have a huge following for it. It, yeah. it, it, it kind of was, I think, a little ahead of its time. And I'm starting to see a renewed interest and momentum behind it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What I do you think? Participation. Yeah. What do you think about the, um, this thing I'm fascinated with? A couple things. One is Seattle making the minimum wage $15 mm -hmm. and having tremendous success with it. And none mm -hmm. of the fears that they thought were going to arise have arisen. And then some people will say, well, that's because Seattle is you know, the average wage in Seattle is $40 an hour. It's higher than anyone else, everyone else in the world. And they've had a booming economy since it's been going. But it, from a economic standpoint, it's obvious that those people at the bottom are going to be disseminating that money throughout the economy, helps the economy more. It's like Henry Ford saying, I'm going to pay my 
laborers more money than anyone so they can afford to buy these cars. Right. Yeah. The, the abundance model is a self-policing system to avoid going into greed, right? It, it, and it teaches us that the higher level of happiness comes from not stockpiling this from my own needs, but supporting others. Yeah. The $15 minimum wage is a, is exactly the same thing. It says we're a very successful economy world community, and we're going to force ourselves to distribute abundance to all. And it becomes more fulfilling and those on the bottom start to feed the system more and it starts to expand and grow. Exactly. It's, it's exactly in line with what's called benefit corporations or B Corps where a B Corp is a company that commits to supporting a cause in the world equally to its shareholders. And that company starts to become more successful than companies that aren't doing that yeah. because they're, they're not in a sense of greed, maximize short-term returns to overpay my investors. It says, no, we're in business for this particular mission and it feels better. And therefore it's more of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If it feels better, it, it's rewarded with more resources. Yes. Yeah, except for in normal corporations, the stockholders are these ones stockpiling money, living yep. in scarcity, and the executives of the company are reaping the benefit of a high stock price. Yeah, We could have it'd be maybe another call at some point, but there's a whole movement called the conscious capitalism movement where it's like freshman year. Capitalism has been in freshman year where we got yes. drunk and partied really hard and we ultimately wake up and realize it's not sustainable. Right. And we're, we're now a belief that capitalism has moved into an area of sophomore year where it's recognizing what is more sustainable, what feels better and supporting the stockholders of investors, employees and a dedicated cause you're in will feel better. And in fact be rewarded with more abundance than a single system maximizing greed for one shareholder. Excellent. Let's leave right there because I definitely want to sure. do this. Let's get together cool. maybe next week. And when are, you, when are you going to Nepal? Uh, February 13th. Okay, so we have time. Excellent. Yep. Matt, this has been a pleasure. Check out Matt's um, TED Talk. It's awesome. And we will continue this another time. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everyone, for being here. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Take care, Gary. See you, bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine, by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.